thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Hey, John chapter 4, John chapter 4 is where we're going to jump into today. John chapter 4, we're spending some time with Jesus, that's our, our goal over the next few weeks, nothing... Um, no big like interconnected series, just we're looking at Jesus, lessons from Jesus, nothing um, big and fancy about it, just I know that in our lives, uh, in our walks, that every now and then we need to be refocused, we need to be recentered, uh, we need to come back to, to the basics, come back to um, maybe that, that ground zero point, and, and I think that this is a good time for us to do that as we're getting to ready to launch back into uh, some youth ministry stuff as we're getting to ready to launch back into worship together as a as we are seeing our new our, our new normal maybe is the word that we put it what we're going to look like coming out uh, post quarantine church maybe uh, point 3.0 because we've done like so many versions of that uh, it's good to just maybe step back and go okay what are the most important things? And the most important things can be found in Jesus. Amen? And I want us to spend some time looking at those things together. So our passage today comes from John chapter 4. Let's start in verse 4. He says, my page turned on me. Now he, he, had, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called uh, Sychar, Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. I love that little, I love that little glimpse in the life of Jesus right there. Jesus, God himself, God in the flesh, got tired. Do you ever get tired? Raise your hand. You and Jesus have that in common. Jesus knows what it feels like to get tired. And this whole next conversation that he's fixing to have that ends up Spoiler alert, this whole community here begins to follow Jesus because of this conversation happened because Jesus was what? Tired. So don't ever think just because you're tired, worn out, and exhausted that Jesus can't use you, that that might be the time that you are introduced to that person that you're going to share Jesus with in a powerful way. That's just a little side note. You don't have to pay for that. That one's free. It was about noon when this happened. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I kind of wonder when I read that if she's, if from her perspective, Jesus, it wasn't Jesus' perspective, but if from her perspective, maybe she thought he was a little arrogant at first. If you knew who it was asking you for something to drink, you know, if you knew who I was, if you knew that, then you wouldn't be asking so many questions. That's just a thought from my head. Let's keep going. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them 
will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor on Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seek. God in spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. What a great story. A story that we've heard so many times. A story that, like I've said in the past about all these great stories of Jesus, that if we're not careful, if we're not careful, they lose their power, they lose their emphasis because we're so familiar with them. So let's zoom out and look at this story and try to pull some things from it. The first thing I want you to think about with me this morning is kind of our overall thought for this lesson is if you haven't experienced Christ, you have nothing to talk about. If you haven't experienced Christ, you have nothing to talk about. Our job, our purpose, our calling is to share Jesus with other people, right? That's, that's what discipleship is about, is sharing Jesus with other people. But if you've not had those experience with, experiences with him, you have nothing to share. So let's see what these experiences look like. This woman's experience starts with our first thought here. She experienced his grace. She experienced his grace. I want you to listen to this. Jesus didn't hold anything against her. Think about that for a second. Jesus didn't hold anything against her. When this woman walked up to the well, do you think that Jesus knew everything about her? Absolutely. Jesus knew everything about her. And they start having this conversation. And this woman, she has, she has an identity. We talked about identity in class this morning. This woman has an identity, what people from the outside looking in think of her. And it is because of the things that she's done in her life, because of her marriages and those failed marriages, and now this man that she's living with. So as they're talking, Jesus, uh, she's, she's, she's peaked. Her interest is peaked about this living water stuff. And Jesus looks at her and goes, hey, go get your husband and bring him back and we'll talk more about this. And don't you know that she just sunk down into her skin? Have you ever been caught in a situation where you've like a truth has been found out maybe about you or something, and you just, you just want to just sink inside of yourself because you're embarrassed, you feel guilty. That is where this woman was, and she just feels awful. But then she replies to Jesus, and she said, this, this is such an intriguing phrase to me. She goes, I have no husband. I have no husband. Now, we know the whole story, but let's pretend for a moment that we didn't. What? What? What purpose, what value comes from telling the truth here for her? 
Think about that for a second. She's sitting here with a strange man that she doesn't know about who maybe comes off a little bit arrogant about some things, and they're having this conversation. He's talking about this strange water, and she's thinking about it from an earthly perspective, even though he's meeting it from a spiritual one. And she's like, hey, I want what you're offering. I want what you've got. He goes, hey, bring, go get your husband, and we'll have this conversation even further. Stop right there. What does it matter to this strange man? Let's pretend that nobody knows it's Jesus. Because this woman didn't. Let's put herself in that moment. What does it matter if she lied and said, oh, he's at work? And from her perspective, would that have hurt anything? It would have kept her from the shame of telling the story. It would have kept her from judgment from this stranger. She gets enough judgment from everybody else. That's why she's out here in the middle of the day drawing water when, when no one else is around because she doesn't want to be judged. But something about her made her tell the truth. And she goes, I don't have a husband. And I love Jesus' response. He says, I know you don't have a husband. As a matter of fact, you've had five of them, and the man you're now with, you're not married to. He goes, what you have said is quite true. Let me throw this at you for a moment. What if this woman walked in our building this morning, and we all know her? We all know she's been married five times and she's living with a guy. How many of you jump up to greet her? Versus how many of you sit in the pew and go, did you see who just walked in? Can you believe she's here? I never thought she, is the, is the roof gonna fall in? I never thought she'd walk in the, can't believe she's here. See, God didn't care about that. Jesus didn't care about that. He pointed it out. And then he said, you know what? As a matter of fact, I appreciate you telling me the truth. And even though, that she had, even though she had all these problems, all these challenges, all these issues, you know what he still did? He still found her worthy to say this. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. He revealed. Jesus was not in the big habit at this point, this early in his ministry. Jesus is not in the big habit of revealing himself to a lot of people. You know, it's not till later on in his ministry that all the crowds are there. You don't see Jesus sitting by himself by a well very often. You don't, there comes a time in Jesus' ministry, he gets very little alone time. We talked a little bit about that last week. He gets very little alone time. He's just sitting there. Nobody recognizes him. Nobody has any clue who he is, except his disciples, those core guys that are following him. And he says, I'm Jesus. I'm this Messiah you're talking about, and I'm going to share that with you despite everything that you have done in your life. That's the God we serve, and that, that's who we're supposed to be. You see, I'm afraid that in our past, we have had a faulty understanding of grace as Christians in the churches of Christ. And what I mean by that is we have been so focused, and I'm telling you where I'm coming from here. I'm coming from talking to people that are my parents' age and older. Okay, From my parents' age and older, I was having a conversation with um, with. Matter of fact, one of my former from Kingston, one of my former elders' wife last week about this very thing. And she said, I've really struggled with this COVID stuff because I've not felt comfortable going to worship, but I feel so bad for not going. And it's because our understanding of grace has been more focused on method than the Messiah. Does that make sense? 
Our grace focus has focused on method rather than the Messiah. We've had this idea, if I can get all the method right, if I can get the order of worship correct, if I can get the five steps correct, if I can get all the method right, then I can receive the grace of God. Grace is not for people who have everything figured out. Of course, if you think you've got everything figured out, you may need more grace than the rest of us. Grace is for that time in your life where you're trying, you're working hard, but you're going down this spiritual journey and you look over to the side and you fall into the ditch. Something grabs your attention. And no matter how hard you want to get out of the ditch, that thing's got your attention. And grace is when Jesus comes up, he says, hey, let me give you a hand. And he reaches down and he pulls you out of the ditch. You have that prodigal son moment where you go, hey, dad, he goes, I'm so sorry I sinned against you. I sinned against heaven. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry I fell in this ditch. And Jesus does the prodigal son father thing, the loving father thing. He goes, hey, hush. It's okay. You were in a ditch. You're not there anymore. Let's move on. Let's keep walking. Let's keep going. That's what grace is. Grace is when God has the ability to make your mistakes look like part of his plan. God's grace is when he has the ability, not you, when he has the ability to make your mistakes look like part of of his plan. Have you ever had that type of moment where you're like, man, I have totally messed up, but somehow God has made this look like it, the mistake was supposed to happen? That's why grace is. Grace isn't for the person with all the answers. Grace is for us when we're working and we're, trying, we're walking in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship with him and with each other, and we go, oh, squirrel, and we run off over here, and we know better and he comes and nudges us back. Hey, get back where you need to be. That's grace. And that's what he gives this woman. He, 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 hey, let's not worry about what you, what you have done. Let's focus, on, let's focus on where we're going. That's what grace perspective is. So he gave this woman grace. And we need that and we receive that. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Let's, get, let's keep going. Let's go to verse 28. Chapter 4, verse 28. So then leaving her water jar... The woman went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. What an amazing verse. Skip down and read verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Here's the next thing I want you to know about her experience. After she received God's grace, after she received grace from Jesus, what does she do? She goes and expresses that grace to other people, tells them all about it. Hey, let me ask you a question. Show of hands. Everybody's hand better go up. How many of you have made bad mistakes in your life? How many of you have made bad mistakes in your life that you're ashamed of? I, we can make bad mistakes that are like, okay, that was bad, but I'm not going to be kicked out for it, you know. And then we sometimes we make those mistakes that we're like, I hope no one ever finds out about this, right? I'm so ashamed of this. There's a comedian. He tells this little joke. His, his grandmother catches him doing something, and she goes, what's Jesus going to say on the day of judgment when it gets to this part? And the comedian responds. He goes, I'm going to look at Jesus and go, 
Get ready, here comes the good stuff. How many of you got that good stuff that you, it's funny and a joke, but really and truly, when that starts flashing up on the screen on the day of judgment, you're going to want to hide under the church pew. We've all got those moments. But this woman wasn't ashamed of that. How many times has this woman been married? How many boyfriends does she have at the moment? You start to think at some point she's got problems, right? Can't stay in a marriage, got this boyfriend, who knows how many other boyfriends she's had coming into this conversation. And her story to everybody else is, come see this guy who told me everything I've ever done. Who laid out all of my problems right in front of me. Who told me how awful of a person I had been. Let's key in on that, I had been. Who told me everything I had ever done. She wasn't ashamed of that. She wasn't ashamed of her past. Because you see, her past was an integral part of her story. You see, her past is what makes the connection with Jesus so powerful. The, the, the thing she needed grace for is what makes her story relevant. And so she goes to these people and says, hey, you know who I am. He's told me everything. I don't, I don't have anything to hide. Come listen to him because now my life is different. Do you understand that your story, your connection with Christ has that type of impact? Can, will, if you share it? You say, here's the thing. How many of you like to fish? How many of you like the idea of fishing, but you don't fish? Maybe a few more of you. Okay. I got into fishing when I was in Florence, fished for a little while because I was trying to, uh, to baptize this guy and we're trying to study with him and he liked to fish. So I decided to fish. Fishing is not my cup of tea all the time because I have ADD sitting in a quiet boat in the middle of the river with nothing going on. Drives me crazy. You know, that everybody's like, oh, so calm and relaxing for some people, not for me. But anyway, we ended up baptizing this guy and it was worth every bit of it. But you know what you learn when you fish? You got to have one of two, th- you got to have two things. Patience. Okay, so you got to have three things. You got to have bait. You got to have a hook. If you have bait and no hook, you got to catch a fish. If you have hook and no bait, can you catch a fish? Yes, but it's just because he swam by at the wrong moment, right? He swam by at the wrong moment. Jesus is the hook. That's what, that's, that's what grabs people. What attracts people is your story. Your story is the bait. Your story about your life and how it intersects with Jesus and how he has shown you everything you've done and forgiven you for that, that story is relevant. That story is full of compassion. That story is real. Your job, my job, our job as a church is to make this book relevant. Now, I want you to think about how unrelevant, irrelevant, which one? Either one. Okay, pick one you want, southern or proper, either way is to make this book relevant in other people's lives. But the challenge in that is explain to me, explain to me how a man 2,000 years ago that was born in a little bitty town who ended up being a carpenter and died on a cross, explain to me how that's relevant to me today and what I'm doing and how I'm living. You see the challenge? It's a challenge, isn't it? But the connection is your story. 
is how your story intersects with the life of Jesus, how Jesus has made your life better, how Jesus has made your life relevant in a more powerful way, how Jesus has made your life holy, okay? Those are the things that are going to attract people today. You have to have your story, and you have to figure out, they did not, this woman didn't have doctrine, this woman didn't have theology, she didn't have methodology. She's even kind of arguing, hey, well, hey, they say that uh, the Jews say you worship over there, but we worship over here. Who's right? You know, her, her, her theology was maybe a little skewed and, and, and combative, what she did know. But she knew that she had met Jesus. And she just talked about what she knew. She knew Jesus. And that's what she went and shared. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, then you can share Jesus. And we need to be a church that's sharing. Not only did she share, she invited them to hear more. Not only did she share, she invited them to hear more. Maybe she didn't have the book, chapter, verse. Maybe she didn't have the methodology. How many of you are scared to share your faith because you're afraid you're not going to have all the answers? I think, I think all of us struggle with that at times. All right? If you don't have the answers, invite them to talk to someone who who maybe does. We're never going to have all the answers. All right, we're never going to figure this whole book out. We need to keep striving for that. We need to keep working toward that. But don't let your lack of knowledge keep you from sharing the word of God because you've got a story, you've got a savior, and you've got friends. That's the same thing that this lady had. She had a story. She didn't realize it, but she had a story. It intersected with Jesus, and when that story intersected with Jesus, she knew she had to go tell her friends about it and then share more by bringing them to Jesus and letting him tell them more. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have a powerful story. You have a powerful um, ability to share the Word of God with other people. And if we're not telling our story and we're not sharing with people, we're never going to grow. The kingdom, the kingdom's not going to grow. Our church family's not going to grow. People are going to be lost. Okay? People are going to be lost. It is our job to try to keep that from happening. So let's, let's enjoy God's grace for ourselves. Let's also express that grace to other people so that they can know those things. That's the purpose of our lesson this morning. Have something to talk about. Let's go to God in prayer as we wrap up. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for everything that you give us, the love that you share with us, the, the mercy and grace that we have. God, help us to understand that in a more powerful way than ever before. God, we just thank you for sending your son Jesus. We thank you for that love that came from that sacrifice, the hope, the assurance that comes from that God. God, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the, the strength, the love, the overcomingness that this church has to face challenges and to move forward through them. Help us to accept the challenge of sharing our faith this week. And just to tell someone about Jesus, to just tell our story and what Jesus means to us. I thank you for this lesson from, from your spirit today. Help us to take it and hold on to it and grow. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others.
We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.